Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode 51, using data integrations to streamline your marketing campaigns, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Last Call. If you don't have time to stay up to date on the latest news affecting the digital marketing landscape, listen to Digital Marketing Happy Hour Last Call for a brief recap on the latest news with commentary so you'll stay informed. A new episode drops every Monday on this podcast. For more information, visit araxam.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Chris, always look forward to our happy hours. And one of the things I look forward to the most is just to see what kind of beverage you're drinking this time. So Chris, what do you have in front of you today? You know, Ryan, I've been on a beer kick lately and I've been drinking a lot of local beers because why not? Tampa has such a great craft brew going on. And so this week I went back to Woven Water, which is another local one. I'm drinking Failsafe, which is a Pilsner, which you know what? Just the right amount of mix and hoppiness and uh, very good on a hot summer day, which it's May in Florida, which means we're getting into some of those hot summer days. What about you, Ryan? What's on tap on your end? I tell you what, boy, is it ever summer here, man, no doubt. And very similar lines with you. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And it's not just because of this sort of a local bias. Tampa Bay has some amazing local brews. And one of the, the bigger ones that is also one of my favorites, and I know you like it too, is Coppertail Brewing in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. And they have this beer called Unholy. And it's, I, I like it a lot. I'm not, I'm not a big hoppy uh, beer. I do like a little bit of it. And, and there's a little bit in there. What I like about it, it's your typical you know, Belgian-style tripel. So it's really great. It's like you said, it's local. And uh, so we got a little theme going on here. It's great for uh, those hots. And yes, it's summer days, even though it's the calendar says spring, it is summer in Florida. Summer always starts a few months early in Florida. You know, one of the things that Coppertail does that I that I kind of like too, Ryan, is they're in the Ebor area. And as you know, parking is a premium down there. And if you have a little bit too much to drink while you're at Coppertail and you decide to Uber at home and you leave the car in the parking lot, they will not tow your car. Your car will be there for you the next morning. So I think that's kind of a cool thing that they do. I did not know that. Another benefit of being local. Well, we've got our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Casale. Thank you for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to our podcast, then welcome and thank you for joining us. And if you're a repeat listener, thank you for coming back. And if you continue to find value in this podcast, please kindly leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Audible, or whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Last episode, we talked about marketing operations, what it is, why you need to pay attention to it, and how even SMBs can benefit from managed marketing operations. However, one component of marketing operations we didn't have an opportunity to thoroughly unpack was data integration. Data integration is a cornerstone of marketing operations. How can you make sound marketing decisions if you don't have good data? And without data integration, how can you connect the work you're doing from a marketing perspective at the top of the funnel 
with the end results of the organization at the bottle of funnel. Chris, this could sound a little techy, but what we're going to get into is really, I think, sort of the meat and potatoes of what digital marketers have to deal with on a day-to-day basis to really have the ability to analyze their campaigns, to make sure that there is a workflow from maybe from one system to another system. Again, if that sounds a little too technical for you, we'll get down to some real world and use cases, how you're using these integrations. Maybe you don't realize that certain things are integrated. And of course, we have some tools that we'll talk about too, to really help. And I think this is great not just the enterprises and even the SMBs, but if you're an entrepreneur, these integrations are absolutely vital to your business. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you hear the term data integrations, it it can be a little bit daunting. And usually the first thought is, oh man, I need to get IT involved or I need to get somebody with some heavy technical skills. And 10 or 15 years ago, that absolutely would have been true. There's just simply no way to connect the data without somebody that's got you know some database chops that can sort of help with that. But it is such a critical component of the business operations today in the digital world. And it doesn't matter whether you're a large Fortune 100 organization or SMB, small to medium-sized business, you need to make sure that your data is connected across the platforms that you're using. Because as you mentioned, how can you make sound business decisions if you don't have the data at hand? If you're putting time into the marketing of your organization, of the products and services that you are selling, how do you know if those efforts are actually working. And you could argue, well, I can see it in the sales, right? I'm either selling the product or not selling the product. But oftentimes, there's a longer buying cycle to certain types of products and services. And so without a way to integrate that data, without a way to see, you know, at the top of the funnel, these are the tactics that I'm deploying from a marketing standpoint, but are they actually leading to the results that we're looking for? You have no way to know it. And that's why we thought, you know what, we talked about marketing operations last time on the podcast, but this time, I wanted to, we thought it would be good to open that cornerstone, that pillar of operations, data integrations, and say, all right, what is it? What exactly are we talking about? What do we need to know as an SMB in order to be successful with the you know, work that we're, we're doing on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, there's a lot that, that people use. And I, I think probably one of the, the most common integrations, you could say, you know, that helps with your workflow, it really does streamline your marketing efforts. And I think one of the most popular is when you upload your email list and whatever you're using, you could be using MailChimp, you can be using ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, whatever you're using, when you get that email service provider and then you somebody engages and you get that data from your email list into your CRM, and then from there, you're able to follow, you know, where people become a customer, you know, if it's prospects and so forth, like that's the data integration we're talking about. Sometimes it happens very easy and very flawlessly. Other times it might take a little bit more work. Like maybe the two platforms don't naturally, when I say naturally, you need a third party to sort of connect platform A and platform D and platform A could be your CRM. And platform B, for example, could be your email service provider. And I'm using these two because they're probably the most popular that everybody uses to a certain extent. And there are companies like Zapier, which is spelled Z-A-P-I-E-R, which has continues to grow. And I always think of that like that's the bridge between two different platforms. You get a couple, I think five free, I could be wrong on that, 
a month and then it's a, a freemium model. So you can, the more you use it, you can integrate, you can integrate a Google Sheets, for example, with your Fitbit app. That is data integration. And that way, if you wanted to log your sleep or your exercise, you can set these things up so it's all automated. So these are some of the examples, whether you use it for your own personal, for example, like your, your fitness or your, your health and measuring your sleep, all the way with your Apple Watch, even with your the heart rate that you have, all of these you're able to integrate together. Or we can get a little bit more into the marketing campaigns and we'll talk about that more. So Chris, there are six primary data integration techniques that we're going to get into. So why don't you start us off with number one? Yeah, and these can get a little bit technical, but the idea is to just explain the concepts behind them so that you can understand sort of what's going on. The first and probably the most common is called ETL, which stands for Extract, Transform, and Load. And basically what this does is data sets from different sources are gathered. So when I say source, that's wherever you're getting the data from. As Ryan mentioned, it might be your email provider, right? So if you're using Constant Contact, you're using HubSpot, you're using MailChimp, that's the source of the data. You're pulling that data out, then you are extracting that data. You are then transforming the data, which means shifting the rows and columns in the database, and then you are loading it in a new data warehouse. And the idea behind this is that you're trying to pull the data out of an existing system, transform it to match wherever you're loading it into. It's a VETL is a very common technique used in data warehousing, which is very important for storing large amounts of data. You've heard the term big data before. Well, big data is typically a data warehouse because it's where all of the data is stored so that at some point you can go back and you can take a look at it and do some processing on it. You also see it in data migration, which is to say if you're moving from one database to another, you have to migrate the data, and ETL can be very useful for that. And the other side of it is third-party data management. And you might have seen this if you're working with a vendor. When somebody needs a copy of your data, or perhaps you need a copy of theirs, nobody wants to provide full access to everything. So this is where ETL can be very handy. You can provide a data feed to the vendor or vice versa, and then that data can be extracted, transformed as necessary to match the new database, and then loaded so they can do whatever it is they need with the data. So sounds complicated, but very, very simple. So Chris, drilling down from what you just said, why is this important? Well, there's two primary things that I can think of that clients that we've worked with have used ETL for. The first is data governance, which anytime you hear the word governance, it's like, oh, restrictions and regulations and you know how exhausting is that? But it's data governance is important and ETL processes generate very detailed logs, which can be very helpful if you need to ever audit your data. It can be helpful for troubleshooting errors, looking for you know incorrect values, and basically just ensure that the data that you've got is high quality. Most ETL tools provide a whole bunch of features that help validate and cleanse the data. And there's a term in the data science world called data munging. And data munging is the process of taking the data and cleaning it so that it can be useful. And if you think about, you know, a cash register and it has so many transactions in a given day, right? You've got all kinds of data in there. Well, how do you associate 
the items that were purchased with individual transactions with users, right? What if one person came through and had two different transactions of five items each on the same day separated by four hours, right? You might need to group that data together. That's the type of work that data munging is. It allows you to clean it up and put it all together. ETL can be helpful in the governance of that. Another area that's gaining more and more steam lately, right? You're hearing the term AI, artificial intelligence with everything, and you're hearing about it in marketing platforms all the time. Well, machine learning, ETL feeds sophisticated analytical processes such as machine learning, which consists of these complex algorithms and models that are created to allow computer systems to analyze the data intelligently. And this goes back to what we were just talking about with big data. There's so much data that for a human being, a person to go in there and try to look at it, it would take hours, if not days, if not weeks to process all of the information. Well, if you create a data model, the machine, the computer can do that analysis for you. And that includes all kinds of prescriptive analytics to advanced statistical models to you know, all kinds of machine learning. In order to do and use those tools effectively, you need clean data readily available. ETL is usually the, the base source of that. Second on that list, Ryan, when we're talking about data integration techniques is ELT, which is similar to ETL, but obviously different in the, in the acronym here. So we're still taking that first step of extraction, but instead of transforming the data, we're loading it and then we're transforming. So with ETL, the transformation of data is done before it is loaded into the new data warehouse or the new system. With ELT, it is transformed after. And this makes jobs easier to configure because it only requires an origin and a destination, and the new system can handle all of those transformations. So that creates a couple efficiencies. The load time is much less because you're just pulling the data out of one system and dropping it into another. You don't have to worry about cumbersome transformations that have to take place in the intermediate step to load the data. So we're getting the data much faster. The transformation time is happening on demand on the target system. So you're using computing power on the target system, which typically reduces some of the wait times because it's not happening in the transformation pipe you reduce the complexity, it's much easier. Usually there's very simple graphical user interfaces to be able to perform a lot of it. And there's also better support from the data warehouse side of things. It helps ensure that the on-premise data warehouses and structured data are scalable. And then maintenance is a big component of that as well. A lot of the examples that we talked about previously with regard to data governance and machine learning also apply to ELT because the only difference there is are we transforming and then loading or loading and then transforming. So ETL, ELT, the first two data integration models. Third in the list of data integration techniques is change data capture or CDC. And this identifies changes in real time and applies them to data warehouses or other repositories. So in other words, when changes happen within the data, operations are happen that you know, records are updated, those records are copied or performed on the source and then published to the target table. It's asynchronous, which means it happens at the same time as the changes are occurring. So whether you're building caches, whether you're you know, handling messaging, whether you're doing search engines, backups, it's all part of a much larger system to alleviate system failures. And a typical use case for CDC 
is when you've got a source database that has user data, and then you've got a data warehouse where your analysts or your data scientists are doing a bunch of analysis and reporting on that data. So let's say you had a table of users. If someone went into the production database and changed the name Ryan to Chris, then you want to have some mechanism in place that maintains some kind of audit trail where you can retrieve the old value of Ryan as well as the new value of Chris. And in this way, CDC or change data capture helps us to capture those changes that occur with the data. Data replication is number four, and this is simply copied from one database into another. Multiple copies are made and stored at different locations to improve their overall accessibility across a network. It can be synchronous as well as asynchronous, and it has a couple benefits. Number one, it improves the availability of data. When a particular system experiences a technical glitch due to some kind of malware or faulty hardware, the data can still be accessed from a different site or a node. Data replication enhances the resilience and readability of systems by storing data at multiple nodes across the network. And you can actually think about this in terms of things like Netflix. If you're watching Netflix, it might stream from a data center. You know, we're in Tampa. I think one of the closest data centers to us, Ryan, is in Orlando. And so if that's the case, we're hopping through Orlando. But if we were to get on a plane and fly to Chicago, all of a sudden, Orlando is not going to be the closest location. So we'd find a data node that's a little bit closer so we can get that data feed much faster. It also increases the speed of data access in organizations where there's multiple offices spread out across the globe. Users might experience some latency while accessing data from one country to another. So by placing replicas locally to them, you'll get faster data access and query execution. Increases server performance because all read operations are done on a replica database. So the primary server can be focused on the write operations. And another key benefit here is disaster recovery. Because the data is replicated at multiple sites, if one site has a major failure or the primary database has a major failure, the data is replicated across other locations, so you have enhanced data protection. The fifth data integration is data virtualization. And this just means that data is unified virtually rather than actually being copied into a new repository. So there's no replication, it's not moved or copied, it stays where it is, which greatly improves the speed at which it can be accessed. There's an abstraction layer, so the business users don't have to worry about where the data resides, they can focus only on the virtualization layer. And there's real-time access, because as the data is changed, it's immediately available. And the nice thing about data virtualization, Ryan, is that it creates agility. It allows there to be this layer that handles a lot of the complexity for business users. And then finally, streaming data integration is the sixth and final of the data integrations we're going to talk about. And streaming data you are very familiar with. This is just data that is continuously integrated into data stores and analytics systems in real time. So it's a continuous flow of data generated by various sources. And the term streaming is used to describe these continuous, never-ending data streams because there's that consistent feed. And a simple analogy is how water flows through a creek. The streams come from various sources at varying speeds and volumes, and they flow into a single, continuous, combined stream. A great real-life example of this is Uber. When you call an Uber and somebody accepts the job, you get a real-time stream of where that driver is at that moment, how far they are, and you'll get a map and it'll show you the distance. And as that driver makes progress getting closer to you, you see that progress kind of ticked off on the map. That is a live stream. So 
Those are six different types of data integrations. They can be very complex, but they don't have to be. But understanding the six different types can be helpful in determining what type of data reliability you need when you're talking about integrations. All right, Chris, that was a lot of information, but I know, and some of it was technical, but it does apply to everyday marketing uh, with different systems and platforms that we're using. Obviously, the data has to go from from one platform to another. Can you kind of go over and give us a synopsis of, of how this does apply to the average marketer? And it really doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or you're working for an SMB or an enterprise. Yeah, completely fair question, Ryan. And you know, you don't need to know the gritty details of each of these data integrations that we just talked about. The bigger question to ask is what data do I need access to? How do I need access to it? And how frequently do I need access? I just mentioned streaming being that live feed. If you don't need instant access to the data, then you don't need it to necessarily be streaming, right? There can be a lot of overhead associated with using a streaming technique because you know, you're clogging up the bandwidth as the data's moving along the pipe. And just think about that from a Netflix perspective. When you're watching one Netflix stream, you can probably be doing other things on the internet. But if all of a sudden you've got one, your spouse is watching another Netflix stream in another room, you've got a kid on a tablet in the third room, all of a sudden that network speed gets much slower and you can't quite do as much as you were doing before. So how fast do you need the data? Do you need it you know, instantly? Do you need it hourly? Is once every 24 hours if an update is provided, is that sufficient? So that's the first thing. Take a look at how quickly do you need the data at your fingertips? The second component is what data? You might not need all of the things that you're doing to be integrated. Maybe you only need some of the key pieces. You mentioned the email list. Well, what exactly is it that you need from your email database to merge with your CRM? Is it just the email address, the first name, or do you also need open rates? Do you also need click-through rates? Is it possible that some of your marketing analysis could take place using the email tool, but does not need to necessarily be integrated into the CRM platform? So that's something to consider. How much work are you going to do in the analysis? And then finally, how many data integrations are we talking about? Is it one or two systems and you just need to pull the data together? Or are there a lot of systems that you need to get to work together? And if that's the case, what data do you need in one systems? Or are you better off using something like Microsoft's Power BI or Tableau to pull the data out to create a visualization layer so you can see the data across all of the different systems? Those are questions that have to be answered by the business or the organization. Only you can decide what it is you truly need. But because some of this work can be expensive over time, and because some of the integrations can cost time and money in terms of bandwidth and setting all the configurations up, I would caution that you should only focus on what you actually need to do the most efficient job. Yeah, there's, there's a lot here. And, and why is this important? And again, some of these things you might be doing already and just didn't realize it. One of the, the more obvious things is how do we get the information into our CRM? Very important, but that's not the only thing that you should be concerned with. One of the biggest is when you're linking accounts. And I say that because that's a term that Google uses a lot. So for example, are you integrating your Google Ads account with your Google Analytics? That is huge. It's important for many reasons. A couple of things is one, you want to know is how good, how effective are the ads that you're running? Gone are the days of, hey, we got a lot of impressions or you got a lot of clicks. Great. Doesn't help you out because that's not what a sale comes from. 
So when you integrate those two systems, Google Ads and Google Analytics, for example, Google Ads is the beginning of the book. If we're analyzing this like a book or a movie, Google Analytics, in some cases, kind of shows you how the story concludes, especially if you're e-commerce. So you can see what happens when they clicked on the ad, they got to your website, what pages did they go to? What pages did they drop off at? Did they convert? Did you get a lead from that on your website? And then if you got a lead on a form on your website, you then have to integrate that form on your website into your CRM. So right there, just alone, we're talking about two different integrations on three different platforms, Google Ads, Google Analytics, your website, and your CRM. So make it you know three integrations in, in four platforms. And I've worked with a lot of small businesses and I'll be honest with you, even some agencies that are, you know, they're hacks and they don't fulfill and integrate all these different systems. And you just, you can't evaluate your marketing campaigns. It is definitely not going to be efficient. And by doing this, like the title of this podcast episode, using these data integrations, they will streamline your marketing campaigns and it will be a much more efficient process. Yeah, that's also a great point, Ryan, in where you need the data integrations to take place. Because I think most people think, well, I want everything in my CRM, or at least I would argue most of the uh, clients that we've worked with, the salespeople want everything in the CRM because they want that one central source, right? And that's not necessarily wrong. It's just the way they want to do business. But you mentioned Google Analytics. From a marketing perspective, Google Analytics is fantastic because you can integrate a lot of those properties. So if you can do a lot of your work there, those integrations are very simple to set up. You don't need an IT person. A marketing person can handle that if they have all the access they need. You get the data you need in one place and you can make smart business decisions. So that's the type of stuff that we're talking about. And some organizations might need to go further down the pipe. You might need to pull the Google Analytics data then down into the CRM so that other business decision makers can see that. So that's all we're talking about when we're talking about data integrations and the importance of it, knowing what you need. So with that, Ryan, I think we should close out on, all right, you understand the importance of data integrations. You understand the need for data and you know the importance of making good decisions. How can you manage a data integration? And simply put, there's three steps for managing the integration and pulling together disparate data. Think of this as marketing middleware, which is one of the fastest growing aspects of marketing operations. Middleware serves as the glue that connects all of these different applications, greasing the wheels so that they can work together to enable the back and forth sharing of data, and subsequently, the benefit of that being the strategy, the insights, and the execution that you get from it. And if you're not convinced of the importance of this yet, I want to highlight one quick thing. Back in 2018, Salesforce acquired a company called MuleWorks. You might be familiar with it, you might not. MuleWorks is a premium tier integration middleware layer. So it's charged with connecting different data sources to other data sources. Salesforce at the time spent 6.5 billion, that's billion with a B, to acquire MuleWorks, and it's led a lot of their growth quarter over quarter. So this is a big deal, and it's going to continue to grow, and it's something worth paying attention to. So Ryan, real quick, let's go through the three steps. The first step is and I've mentioned this a few times now, figure out which platforms should be integrated and why. What data do you want to integrate in the first place? The most common place to begin here is between the marketing system, the marketing automation system that you're using, and your CRM. And the goal here is to align sales and marketing. 
Consider also whether it makes sense to integrate customer support with client marketing as well, right? Get some feedback on any issues or questions customers is having. What about your finance and your e-commerce platforms? You basically need to ask yourself the question is how will it benefit you as a marketer if this data and these platforms were synced and consistent? Does the answer to that question help you achieve your marketing or more importantly, your organizational goals? And to look at it from another point of view, Ask yourself if the inconsistent data currently living across these different platforms is preventing you from working effectively. You know, it's really great when you talk about the the planning aspect of it. And really, we've told the story a few times, but it kind of goes back to how you and I met and really how we started this working relationship together was where we worked for a tech company. And that tech company was a little bit of a siloed company. And within it... Finally, you were on the MarTech side. I was on the digital strategy side. And even at the beginning, we weren't really communicating and at, at all until finally we had a few meetings, group meetings, departmental. And then you and I was like, you know what? We need to talk to each other because all the stuff that you want to do, I needed your help from a tech side to make it sure that it all worked. And that's when we realized, wait a minute, our skill sets really complement each other and we, we need to tackle this together. Even for a siloed company where sales and marketing didn't really communicate the most effectively that they should, and even within our own marketing department, it probably wasn't communicating even the way it should. That's kind of how Chris and I met, and that's been over 10 years ago now. So what Chris was talking about with the mapping and the integration starting it, you need to also get the right people in the room together when you're mapping this out, because there's a good chance it might go beyond your marketing department. So I think that is, uh, that's huge with that. Yeah, that's a great point is that you might not be just solving this for yourself from a marketing standpoint. You might be solving this for the good of the organization. And that's where you need to be diligent with this. Step two, when we talk about managing the data integration, now you've figured out which platform should be integrated and why. Now you need to look and sort out your field mappings. The field mappings are probably the most critical part of any integration project. Different platforms collect data and information using different fields, and some of those may not translate across disparate systems. So for instance, if your marketing automation uses the field name and your CRM platform uses first name and last name as two distinct fields, then when syncing this data, you need to make sure those fields with different names but containing the same information are properly mapped to each other. Go through those key fields, look for any inconsistencies and note them for each platform and determine a hierarchy of your systems to figure out which system should own certain fields in the case of an inconsistency. Do you wanna overwrite the data from one system into another or do you wanna maintain one data as your master system? When data is overwritten, it should be done so to your specifications. So let's say a customer named Robert Owen is entered into your CRM as Bob, but in your marketing automation platform, it's entered in as Robert, and you've determined that your marketing automation is the top of the hierarchy. In this case, all Bob Owens would be overwritten as Robert Owen. And I think these fields are important when you're trying to upload email addresses, for example, into Facebook, you have to have your fields, your first name, your last name, the email address. You have to have all that formatted properly or else Facebook is going to reject it and it's not going to work out properly. So with that, but not every platform is like that, won't reject it. Facebook does that. 
because they realize they're not dealing with technical people. However, there are other platforms where it just can mess everything up if the data isn't aligned properly with first name, field, last name, field, email address, field, phone number, field. By the way, phone numbers are big. Also, just going on that, do you have just area code and phone number? Do you have your country code, area code, and phone number? Those, All those characters, if those aren't all aligned properly, it could mess it up. So these are things as marketers, you do need to work with your internal teams and think about because Facebook will just reject the whole thing. But other systems, it'll just mess up the data. It'll take it in and then mess it up. So again, this is why it's important to really understand this because the old saying, garbage in, garbage out, we want to make sure that you're not putting garbage into your systems. Yeah, great point on that. And that's why, you know, largely the CRM is thought of as that master database. But in certain cases, you know, kind of to your point, Ryan, if it's not holding certain information, you might dedicate certain systems to be the key keepers of certain data points. So definitely has to be evaluated thoroughly. And finally, step three, understand and plan for risks. One of the biggest obstacles that hold marketers and businesses back from diving into the data integration is the fear that they might screw up their data if they end up messing with it. And this can be even more daunting if you decide that you want all your existing data to be synced rather than having your data synced on a go-forward basis. In other words, do you want to proceed with just new data or do you want to backfill all of the historical data? And of course, the older your company is, the more data you have, the more daunting that can be. Totally valid, completely justifiable concern, but there are ways to ensure that your data remains safe and sound. Whether you're attempting such a technically challenging project on your own or you're reaching out to data integration specialists, always keep a master record created before, during, and after the initial sync of data. Most integration platforms create a master record for you as a fail-safe anyways, but make sure you have clarity around this and you understand what that's going to look like. Typically, your marketing automation system, your customer database or CRM, or your ERP should be your system of record. In many organizations, it's the CRM, but for some that have more point of sales based, the ERP might end up being the system of record. And this is simply the parent database to which all data questions should ultimately be referred. This is your single source of truth. And then you might have various other platforms, sales, marketing, support, finance, and those will be child records off of that single source. Again, whether that's your CRM, your ERP, or something else. Integrating your platforms and the valuable data contained within them is daunting, but it is an essential element of successful marketing operations. And that's why Ryan and I have dedicated these last two episodes talking about these marketing ops. Lay the foundation by determining why your platform should be integrated, how significant the volume of existing data to be integrated is, what fields should be mapped, and how, what the workflow is going to look like, what the structure is going to look like, and you'll be well on your way to achieving an ultimate streamlined data integration where you got everything at your fingertips and can make the best decisions for your business. Absolutely. And I think it's important to marketers to take a look at things like Zapier. How can you get from one system to another system? Because two things are going to happen when you integrate your data, it's just going to help your workflow. It's going to streamline all your marketing efforts. And two, you're going to save time in the long run, especially when you get these automated. So those are things to think about. So the three steps that we just talked about, number one, figure out which of your platforms should be integrated and why. Also make sure that you don't make these decisions 
without bringing in your MarTech people who are actually going to make the magic happen on the back end. They definitely need to be informed. Do not work in a silo. Number two, sort out your field mappings, your first name, last name, phone number, email address, anything like that, that it is in its own field is important. And then thirdly, what Chris just talked about is understand and plan for risks. So those are the three things that are extremely important to help you with this. So Chris, you know, this was a really good episode. I I think it's important for everybody to understand that. Again, using data integrations to streamline your marketing campaigns. However, we're not done because that's the work stuff. Chris, what are you watching, listening to, reading that's keeping you active these days? Yeah, after you spend uh, a little bit of time talking about data integrations, a heavy topic like that, you need something to keep it light, right? So for fun, you know, I've been checking out a bunch of different shows lately, just trying to figure out what my next series is going to be. And I stumbled upon, and and I'm late to the pass here, admittedly, but on HBO, I checked out the first episode of Ballers, and I've been missing out because I have binge watched the entire first season. I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is just awesome. The cast of this show is amazing. Like, it's so well done, so well put together, and it's fun. And you know what? Each episode's only like 25 minutes, which, you know, most episodes, even on streaming, are like an hour long. So 25 minutes, like, I can squeeze that in between Mm -hmm. things and and move on to the next thing. Oh, man, it's a really good show, Ryan. What about you? What are you binge-watching these days? You know, for whatever reason, and loving sports and all that, I never just, I never watched it. For whatever reason, I just didn't. But now I might have to go back and, and watch it. New show that is on Apple TV. And I know Apple TV does not have a large market share relative to other streaming services. I will say this. It is worth looking into. They are putting more and more original content out. And it's really good. I think if we had to do overrated, underrated, I would say Apple TV Plus is very underrated. So there's a, a new season show that just started. And of course, Netflix ruined us all because you have to wait a week each week to watch it. They don't just release everything all at once. But it is The Mosquito Coast. And it is was originally a book. And I don't know when the book came out. I only know it came out before the mid-80s because the original adaptation was a movie with Harrison Ford in it back in the mid-80s. And this is a different adaptation of it. And it's basically a family who is fleeing America, trying to escape into Mexico. And it's just, it's really interesting. And it's, it's, I've only seen, uh, there's only been four episodes into it. I don't even know how long it's going to go, if it's going to be eight or 10 episodes, maybe even more 12, but it's really good. It has a little bit of a Breaking Bad-ish feel to it. In the way to me that it's a little bit shot, uh, a little bit of the drama that goes into it. So we'll see. It's early. I like it. Now, I say that in the second half of the season could just be utter crap and we'll find out too. But so far, it, it's interesting. Only one episode has been really slow. And that was just the family was in the desert and they really tried to play up like how horrible of an experience it is crossing the desert. However, so far, so good. So I think it's worth, uh, I think it's worth checking out. Well. On that note, we want to hear from you. Tell us what you thought about data integrations. Is this something you're involved in? Is this something that you want nothing to be a part of? Either way, give us your feedback because we want to hear from you. Some of those ways you can reach out to us, send us an email. Our email address is podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. 
Also hit us up on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn. Just do a LinkedIn search for Ryan Smith Marketing, best way to find me, or do a LinkedIn search for Araxum. And of course, Twitter and Instagram are both great places to find me. My handle is Ryan Smith FLA. And the best place to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. You can find me under my name, Chris Casali, but you can also find me under Araxum and of course, Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Data integrations is a heavy topic, but if you need a hand, you can always reach out to Ryan and I. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audible, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. Everybody have a great week and thank you for listening. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at betterwithmusic.com. Thank you for listening.